welcome to Selenial Podcast, episode 11. How are you doing? Losing track, man. Uh, I know, I know. It's The number keeps growing almost every week, it seems. It's, it's crazy. Kind of what happens when you do a <laughs> weekly podcast. I'm, I'm Caleb Embry. I am your millennial. I'm Caden. I'm just some Generation Z guy <sighs> just man, sagging through life. But but together, together we are okay. Zillennials. Okay. You know what I'm saying? What saying. That's what you're saying. We're, we're greater than the sum of the one, for sure. That's that's very true. So, so what's been go- going on? Well, to to our listeners, this is just next week. But to us, I mean, we haven't we haven't recorded in a, in a few weeks, so so we got some stuff to catch up on for sure. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Today today's Monday. Let's get that out of the way. And I feel like it hit me like a freight train today. I don't know why. Monday's not Monday. I'm never doing too good on Mondays. You've pointed out how little I talk sometimes on Mondays, which is abnormal. I mean, usually you're visiting mine or Chris's desk quite a bit throughout the day. Yeah, but not on Mondays though, dude. I, I just <laughs> there's something I don't know. It's not that I'm more tired than normal, but I mean today I am. But usually it's just the thought of oh, it's Monday. So yeah, you usually every day Caden comes up to Chris, our coworker. At like three o'clock with an energy energy drink, like hey, happy know. three o'clock, dude. Yeah, it's happy, three, happy o'clock. three o'clock. But on Mondays, it usually turns into like happy two thirty, because you just need you need that caffeine punch. Yeah, today I was thinking of going for a walk, and then I stepped outside, and I was like, eh, yeah, it's, not it's, worth it's, it. it's a little hot here in Dallas, Texas, that's for sure. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going back to California in like two weeks, dude. What? Yeah. Why? What? Why, why are you? Why are you trying to do that for? Because the weather. I mean, it's to die for, dude. It's way better than the weather here. Dude, you're becoming the Californications begun. <laughs> nah. What about you though? Um. Well, so uh, we've spoken that I've been taking some archery classes and stuff like that. I actually bought myself a bow oh, yeah. over the weekend, which was pretty pretty awesome there's just something about like the like repetitive nature of of things that i like mm-hmm. i like with the bow it has to be super consistent i love basketball partially because of shooting the basketball you have to be wildly consistent and it's like you get into like that zone where like you're not even thinking about it but you're just like meditating you're breathing through it all and dude it's awesome so i got, I got a bow I'm looking forward to hopefully like going up to our boss's land and shooting like a like a hog or something like oh, that. Oh, dude, get some get some protein for the 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 winter. Dude, I was kind of scared because growing up, they used to tell me like, "Yo, like those wild hogs and stuff, like they'll they'll like charge at you, dude, like people crazy. get hurt." But any like hunters that I've been talking to lately are like, "Oh no." They don't do that. They're running from you, if anything. Mm-hmm. But if you like back them into a corner, where, like they're defending their like little piglets, mm-hmm. then maybe. Yeah, fight or flight, baby. Those are the things that you hear about, mm-hmm. and, like people getting hurt. Yeah. But now, uh, let's talk about the Olympics. Did you watch any of the Olympics? I watched some. We went to lunch one day and synchronized swimming was on, and dude, I couldn't. I mean, it was funny because they're like upside down, like. Move. <laughs> Dude, is that the one where they, like, push people from under the water? Well, that's when they're, like, the two people are, like, 
dancing in the water and they're like synchronized. Oh, it was only two people? Yeah. Well, they, there might be synchronized swimming with more people, but it's there, there definitely is one. There's one that has like a team of people and they, it's crazy that they like get underwater and they like swim with all their force and like push people out of the water, do like dolphin moves and stuff. It's crazy. Dude, water sports or something else. I mean, that's Dude. a lot of endurance. I love polo. Have oh, you yeah. ever watched the water, polo? The water polo is so much Dude, fun to watch. Dude, that is sick. I would love to play polo. I got into archery. Like, that was pretty sick, like, to watch them compete in mm-hmm. archery. Like, their bows are so light, they have, like, a weight at the end and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sick. And American basketball. I mean, Dude, come that, on, that, that, USA. <laughs> that's Dude. not a given. That's not a given. In the past, it used to be like whooping Japan by like 50 points. Dude, yeah. those are those But are like basketball has become an international sport. Mm-hmm. There are some people, there are some, some incredible countries out there that have put together some pretty great teams. In fact, some faces that we're all like familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like Luca, the star of the Dallas Mavericks, he plays for Lithuania. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that correct? I, th- oh. well, it, I think. Is, is it, it Lithuania? I think, or? I think Porzingis is from Lithuania. I, I'm not sure, but um, let me uh, Jamie this real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to know, make sure where Lucas from, or is he from like Sylvania? Oh, uh, oh, that didn't, that didn't work very well. It's kind of interesting because he's been playing uh, pro since he was like 14. Mm-hmm. He moved to, I believe, Madrid, Sylvania, Sylvania. Uh-huh. Okay, Lithuania okay. must is probably Porzingis. Yeah, Sylvania. I mean, they went to like the semifinals just because of him. Mm-hmm. He's freaking insane. So good, so good. But in the Olympics overall, we got the most medal counts. Mm-hmm. I know, think little you. I think we might have got one more gold medal than China did too. Oh, we. I, I believe that's correct too. Like we've won in the overall in each, and then uh, individual like most golds, most silvers, mm-hmm. most bronze. Heck yeah, USA baby. Yeah. We're, we're a competitive bunch. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch too much of the Olympics this year, but I don't really watch it that often anyways. The first Olympics that I can remember is Beijing. Like R- that that like that? I was invested. What? Uh, 2008 maybe. Yeah, that's the first one. That's when I first heard about Wait, it. pretty much Michael Phelps is the reason mm-hmm. why. Like cuz he was winning all those gold medals. It was incredible to watch him and Hussein Bolt. Dude, he's not even the USA, but Big fan, Jamaica. Yeah. Homie's the fastest that ever lived. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, what else? Oh, I watched a little bit of the skateboarding, but I, I heard some people say that because they, uh, the reason why the U.S. didn't do so good is because they drug test the skateboarders, and you're not gonna find any good skaters uh, who don't <laughs> do drugs here. Oh so, my gosh! I mean, I, mean, I can't verify s- that, but certainly uh, they could take a little tolerance break to be in the Olympics. You yeah, think? but I mean. I'm going to use that as the reason why we didn't do so good. <laughs> yeah, I think we got bronze. I don't know. I, 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 I watched I like five right. minutes of it in a hotel. It, it was pretty sick, though. I, I was a fan of the Japan games. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to catch any of like, the opening or ending ceremonies? No. Dude, the light show? I mean, it was insane. It was insane. I, I highly recommend, if you did not see at least the... like. Uh, ending ceremonies, go watch that. Mm-hmm. I might check it out. Also, Peacock. This is the most brilliant thing for the Olympics was Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg doing <laughs> a recap of the Olympics like uh, every couple of days. 
the funniest part was you couldn't see Kevin Hart's feet from the desk. Oh, that's why they covered the feet up. Well, no, if you there's a picture and you couldn't see Kevin Hart's feet and Snoop Dogg's feet were tilted completely out like this. Well, freaking Snoop Dogg's tall, bro. Uh-huh. Yeah, I he's know. super tall. But one of the greatest, there's like a clip of them uh, watching the equestrian. Mm -hmm. And I guess they kind of do like this prance, like this like very hard walk that they have to teach the horses. And uh, Snoop Dogg's like, yo, that that horse is is crip walking. (laughs) And he's like, I got to get those get those horses in in my music video. It was awesome. Snoop Dogg just needs to be the like. Uh, narrator or commentary for every sporting event. Yeah, there in one of the Call of Duty games, in Call of Duty Ghosts, you could buy a DLC where Snoop Dogg was the announcer for the for the game. <sighs> Dude, that should just be his job. Yeah, at this point, he does a good job. It's it makes it entertaining to say the least. You know, it, the way he interprets things is so funny, and, and it's like his vocabulary is expansive. So uh-huh. like he he really says some wild stuff that you don't expect at all. He was the commentator for the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight. Oh really? Yes. Yeah. On, on Triller. I didn't see it. And uh, gosh, all the fights going up to it, Rick. Because I mean, the Jake Paul fight with Ben Askren was like eight seconds long. Yeah. Like it was like one hit and out. There wasn't much to be said in that one. But on all the fights prior to that one, Snoop Dogg's. The reason why you paid mm-hmm. to to see this. Thing. Well, you could you could probably put the most boring things on. I'm not gonna give an example <laughs> because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings who may like you know you say a sports boring, but someone puts their whole life to that and it's like just crush their dreams. But you could put on anything, and if Snoop Dogg narrated it, I'd watch it. Oh yeah, for sure. The uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about when it came to archery was. Okay, so so you could imagine. Have you ever shot a bow before? No. Oh, so, I ma- I made one with my sister, and we were like, <laughs> and it didn't really work. But I mean, it, how like, many yards did it did you get? Two. <laughs> two yards. Yeah, it, it mows, dude. I mean, it it was more the thought that counted. Uh, so um, so you I mean, you can tell it's it's got to be difficult. Yeah. You know, to a certain degree, just standing still mm-hmm. and shooting at a target. Could you imagine being like an American Indian and shooting it off of a horse (laughs) or like the Mongolians? Like that would be insane. Mm -hmm. Like the horse is moving. You're moving. You're trying to get the target. You're trying to uh, keep tension on the string. It'd be impossible. I bet. I bet as much as they did it, it's just second nature at that point. You just do it with your eyes closed in your sleep, you know? Yeah, on the Joe Rogan podcast, they were he, he got into like a phase where he was reading a lot of Native American uh, like histories, like books, and there's like stories of the Cherokee like shooting bow and arrow from from a horse, and then using the horse as a shield, like tipping over oh, I've to heard the about side that. of the horse and shooting underneath its neck at people. Like, what? Full-blown horse warfare. That's how you know people were different, bro. People were different back then. And then the guys with the guns came, and it was like, surprise. I mean, don't don't need any skill to use this thing, pal. (laughs) I mean, look at my hands. Mm -hmm. Does this look like this could survive in the 19th century? No. These are some... Typing hands. Yeah, I got these hands are built for speed, baby. Well, you know, I got the, I have the clammiest hands west of the Mississippi. These things they constantly moisturize. My hands would get so ripped (laughs) if I was doing manual labor like that. 
Like I've done a, a little bit of manual labor in my life. And yeah. My hands always got torn up, man. Dude, in, in junior high, there was this girl that she came to youth group with us uh, quite often. And, you know, like you hold hands now. That seems so weird now what? with the whole COVID thing that, you know, you pray and you get into like a circle and you join hands and you pray. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyways, for we in youth group, there was a girl who, when we would link hands, she had the sweatiest hands, <laughs> sweaty hands. And, and, and she would call herself aqua girl <laughs> and it was hilarious. Well, but every time you're by her and you're like, Oh, we're going to pray. It's like. Dang, I got Aqua Girl. Dude. <laughs> well, it's like, I can relate to that because, like, I'll wipe my hands and they're still sweaty. Like, dude, she was looking for you, bro. No. She was dude, looking for no, Aquaman no, in no, her life. Dude, That's no, you. Ew. No, I can't, <laughs> I can't stand it. Like, my poor steering wheel. You said is, it was like cooties. Like, well, it's, it's gross, dude. It's, <laughs> I don't want to touch someone else's sweat. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Fair enough. But I feel bad for my steering wheel, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know how privileged we are when we're complaining about hands like that. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just want to take a minute to go back whenever I talked about the little amount of manual labor I've done. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm such a loser and I've been sheltered, but it happens, okay? At least I'm self-aware. Well, another thing that's coming up next week that, Caden, you're signed up for, and it's happening next week, which is... Fantasy football, baby. Oh, yeah. Fantasy football mm-hmm. is back, son. It's time. And as a two-time league winner, I, I want to I really help you this year, man. All right. I'm going to help you out. All right. Because I feel I'm like you're good, for, I'm down but you just, need, you just got, need some secrets. Last year was the first time I ever played with some of my friends, and I got the second place, so did okay. But Yeah, but those jokers probably didn't pay attention. Or were they like no, hardcore? They, they're hardcore. Oh, and you got second? Uh-huh. Dang, maybe I don't need to give you any secrets. I don't no, want no, you to I, do, I really do need help because I think it was just luck. <laughs> shout out. Shout out to our friend John for winning fantasy football and never watching a game of dude, football. Dude, John Crab, man. Yeah, shout out. Shout out to him. It's nuts. It's a, Dude, this is a guy who cares about the team. He's willing to comp- like compete, pay money to be in a league with us, and he doesn't give a duke. I know <laughs> about football, but he's good. He won last yeah, year. Yeah, that's the crazy. It's part. insane, dude. There was one year we did a pickums, which just means that like, okay, there's how, how many teams are in the NFL? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Okay, so pretty much you have to pick one every week to win, and you can't pick any team twice. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to use your good teams. But anyways, at the end, if you're the last man standing and you picked. Uh, the best out of everybody, well, then you get all this money. Mm-hmm. Well, he competes in that too, and he wins that. <laughs> he doesn't even watch these things. I know. That's he just cr- looks at like Vegas's odds, and he's like, that one makes sense. Oh, that, okay. Or he asks like one of his good friends. Mm-hmm. But hey, it works for him. So shout out to John. Oh, good old John. All right. So last week we ended our series on the five levels of leadership by mm-hmm. John Maxwell. This week, we are starting a new book, Primal Leadership. Boom. It's, it's by three different people. I, I haven't <laughs> learned their names yet. It Just is. It's, it's Daniel uh, Goleman, 
Richard, this is the last name that threw us last week, which was uh, Boyazes. <laughs> I'm going to say Boyazes until somebody corrects me. Boyazes and Annie stuff. McKee. Annie McKee. Uh, I feel like this is a pretty interesting book. Mm-hmm. I, I really picked this book because I thought, surely there's going to be things I disagree with in this book just because it's kind of based around the science of leading and like the primal urges, why why we seek leaders, why is this the guy we follow kind of thing. But man, I kind of like this book. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's really good. There's, a, there's quite a bit of interesting points that, I mean... We've been through the first three chapters already, and I mean, it, it made me want to keep reading, you know? Yeah, well, one of the first things that I feel like this book brings up is kind of like emotions are kind of okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think in, in business and, in, you know, kind of more cutthroat situations, it's like, you need to take emotions out of this. Mm-hmm. And we've had that conversation plenty of times, too, that we yeah. both, you know, I'm, I know we both agree that emotions tend to get in the way, or we both think that emotions tend to get in the way more than they help. And this book kind of changed changed my thoughts on it a little bit. Well, emotions always just seem to me like, man, cloudy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really believe that whenever you're full of emotions and, and you can't keep your cool, and like, that's the worst person to try to follow. Yeah. Is like... Clearly, this man or woman is is a victim of how they feel all the time. Yeah, and they're so personal. Nobody can truly relate to what you're feeling. I mean, they, it, everybody can have a general idea because we all have the same emotions, but they can't really relate to what you're saying. And there's no, the way I look at it is there's no real way to back up your emotions, you know, because they can be controlled. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, definitely. I mean, emotions can be controlled, but... Really, I feel like what this book is bringing up is that leaders have a certain amount, a certain kind of emotional temperament to them mm-hmm. like that, that is magnetizing to people. And, and really, I think you can attribute this to environment creating. Yeah, it's dri- driving emotions. And what well, really what I kind of took from it was that uh, the the emotions uh kind of give you a purpose to why you're doing a job in a way, you know, like, you know, you're driven, you're excited to be there and it increases productivity that he said something along those lines. And I was like, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, like it's, if you're an emotional leader and they did kind of bring up the point or we've brought up the point uh, today earlier that um, you can be like the leader, but someone else may fill the shoes of the emotional leader, you know? Right, because emotions seem to just be a part of everyday life, and you can't exclude uh, work in, in your emotions. So it's kind of like the leader needs to be able to handle how everybody's feeling. In fact, not even handle it as much as create an atmosphere where feeling is okay. Mm-hmm. And if that leader is someone who's closed off to emotions, like, hey, I just need you guys to perform that team is going to find somebody, you know, on the team to emotionally unload. And so like you're, you're kind of, if you're not going to accept the team's emotions, you're just automatically creating a small tear that your team can exploit and kind of pull, pull itself apart. Mm -hmm. One thing they were talking about was um, connecting with your coworkers makes work more meaningful. And, you know, if you have a boss who doesn't care and you don't have any form of personal relationship, 
I mean, you, you really may not want to be there, you know? It's just kind of, oh, I'm coming to work. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Sit, and then you type for eight hours or do whatever you need to do and go. There's no meaningful conversations and enjoying being there, you know? Yeah, in the book, he really says this is called like resident resonance mm-hmm. whenever you're with your team and you're matching emotions we see this a lot with people uh, through any journey of life where it's like man this kid must look up to me because he's kind of acting like me mm-hmm. you know like little brothers do this and also just people that you find out in the world that may look at you and be like man i want what that guy has they start imitating you resonating with you and whenever you're with the team, it's not going to be so obvious that they're just copying everything you do, but they are matching emotions with you. They're kind of matching tone. You're harmonizing Yeah. whenever it comes to, to teamwork and you're trying to lead this team. Not everybody's going to be singing the same note, but we, we have to harmonize together. Yeah, I think that comes from being, you know, you are the leader. So people look at you more than they probably do other members of the team and they, they talked about it a bit, about how people get in sync with each other, even without words. You know, you can become in sync. And if you're following someone and listening to everything they're saying, I mean, you'll you'll pick up on that and start to catch on to any habits or any attitudes or moods that someone may be in. You know, it's mm-hmm. I found that to be pretty interesting. And the notes that a leader is singing matter. You know, if it's like these really dark tones and your leader's always coming in with a bad attitude or is, an, or is a victim of their own emotion, nobody is going to want to match tune with them. Mm-hmm. So like it is very, I could only imagine it would be very hard to manage a team when that team's like, dude, I don't even want to be singing what you're singing. So like, I don't care. I need to find somebody else to resonate with. And that, that will happen. Yeah, another... Another point they made, which was the exact opposite of what you were saying, is if the team's struggling and then, you know, your leader's trying to be too optimistic and trying to, hey, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that'll create dissonance too because it's like this guy doesn't even know what we're going through. You know, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't care. He's just trying to, hey, stop that. You know what I mean? I really believe that's kind of the primal in this book mm-hmm. is that you can't force things as a leader. You know, you have to genuinely feel as though you can paint a picture to your team that they're going to rally behind you Mm -hmm. and that you're going to continue to challenge them. It's just like any great relationship, I would imagine, with a significant other is you are challenging each other and and also you're accepting the challenge, which is really it's a different thing. Whenever one person's challenging you, it just feels like you're nagging. Mm -hmm. But whenever you're challenging each other. That's an open loop is how they they describe it in the book. This feedback loop. Everything is dependent on each other. If it's a closed loop, then you don't really need anything but yourself. Yes. This this circulating within yourself of, hey, I I can make this happen. You're not a leader whenever you're a closed loop. When you're an open loop and you're accepting people's opinions, I think that that's really a genuine way to be identified in a primal way as a leader. Well, I think it's just because, you know, humans, we're very social creatures. I mean, we are the only species that really has language. I mean, like, I think dolphins can say names or something like Dude, that. that's what they say. Dude. They say that dolphins, that one day we'll look back and be like, 
I can't believe we treated such an intelligent creature the way that we did. Yeah. Dolphins are freaking cool, man. But, <laughs> but, um, people are social creatures. And then that, I mean, really, when you think about relationships, I mean, they're almost all relationships. If it's really is any kind of a relationship, there's emotions in there, even if it's a professional one, you know, at some point there's going to be an emotional relations, you know, because the way we are at our, in our department, at our company is we're, we're like each other's family. You know, we see each other more than our real family most of the time. So, and I think that one of the reasons why we all want to do so much for the team is because we have such good emotional relationships and personal relationships with each other. Mm. You know, I think that when that having a cool boss, you know, shout out boss, man, I know he's probably listening. Um, (laughs) It makes you want to be there, you know, and it makes you, well, I have a purpose. I'm here to serve with these people and for these people, you know, it, it, that really stuck out to me because I mean, I was thinking about it as I was reading the book is like, that's the reason why I want to go to work every day, you know, is the people and the relationships from that, you know, this, this concept has been explained to me in a different way, which is. Uh, temperature gauges some people are are uh, temperature gauges and some people dictate the temperature themselves Mm -hmm. and um, really I feel like whenever you're training somebody or you're leading a team it's pretty easy to recognize (laughs) what temperature the team's at Uh and you can only blame yourself for the temperature that everything's at because everybody's reflecting or should be mirroring as this book uh, explains, should be mirroring you, mm-hmm. the way you feel. So if you're coming in dragging, you can't really expect your team to overcome your lid, which is the fact that you're not enthused to be there. Yeah, and people will see that no matter how hard you try to hide it. People are going to see because it's it's pretty hard to fake your emotions, you know? Yeah, this book really dives into that fact that, hey, people are good at testing people. Like we understand <laughs> who's the best of us, who, who should we let lead us? And, and, uh, and that's okay to follow. Like being a good leader is being a good follower. And so it's like, find those, those people in your life that are worth following and, and reflect their temperature until you can, you can sustain your own. Mm-hmm. Man, sometimes I feel like I, uh, I kind of throw ice cubes into a warm room because sometimes I have, like whenever I get uncomfortable, you know, the first place I go is making jokes. So sometimes I feel <laughs> like I just incorrectly screw the temperature up. Well, I mean, this book speaks to sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I think they did like a he, he talks about or they talk about a uh, like an experiment ran where they did an interview for these executives and they had no like intent of hiring them. They just wanted to experience what it was like to interview these high level leaders. And some of them had good senses, sense of humors and some of them were very dry and just straight to the point. Yeah. And, and the ones that they wrote down that were like, hey, they had a really well timed joke and kind of kept me loose. Those people five years down the road, they only elevated because mm-hmm. they were able to 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 release the 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 heat, you know, to yeah. throw in those ice cubes, as you were saying. Yeah, it, 
I, I do think when it's when it's done properly, it really does. It just makes people more comfortable, you know. And that's and one of the reasons why I do it is because whenever I get uncomfortable, it's like, okay, straight, all right, let's, let's just bring out jokes, you know. I, I'm not usually a jokey, jokey all the time, but if I have a joke, I'll, I'll throw it out there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm always pretty, like, light and bouncing around with oh, for sure ideas. and it's like it plays a good role on the team to be honest with you mm-hmm. the this whole primal leadership is really about group it's not about the individual yeah. now it may be about the individual when you're thinking how can i best uh serve the group in a in this primal leadership way where i am setting the tone and i am emotionally stable within myself so that the rest of the team can be stable as well it's about the group yeah and it's like homeostasis. It takes a lot of different personalities to make it work. Mm-hmm. And just having one person in there that is agitating, uh, you know, this person of your team can really mess up the entire feng shui of what your team's trying to get done. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is a lot of times it happens and nobody really notices that it's happening until pretty far down the line whenever something goes really wrong. You know what I mean? Like you mm. really don't know. Oh man, we've been kind of we've been kind of struggling a little bit cuz maybe someone yelled at somebody or got snippy with someone was like, "Well, this doesn't really happen. What where'd this come from?" And then you mm-hmm. can kind of backtrack it because I th- humans are uh, like groupthink creatures, you know. We go into groupthink whether we realize it or not and so i think a lot of what this book is is trying to manipulate that in a good way almost i mean that's what that's what i've got from it i don't know what you think i i definitely think that's true i think everything you're saying is absolutely true it, it is about that group thinking and getting everybody on the same page for sure um when it comes to this book it really talks about um, resonant leadership as in like you need to find these connections with your team that you resonate with them and it's not going to be all in a group sometimes it is individually but mostly as a group can you plan ahead so that the group can be thorough mm-hmm. yeah um what else man oh i i wrote down one quote because it was it was pretty interesting and it's uh emotions are in opposition to rationality um they they actually are part they work with in into rationality you know because mm-hmm. you know a lot of times you think logic and emotion don't really work together but they were talking about how emotions help you find the meaning in the data and help you lead to better decisions and I, that that's interesting because really, I mean, you can have all the facts and all that stuff, but it's like, why, why do these numbers make sense? Where do they come from? You know, and a lot of times, was isn't that called your intuition or whatever? Mm-hmm. That, that's what that is. You're yeah, using definitely. your intuition to and your experience to figure out why these numbers or whatever data it is his, we, why we have it. You know, that that was interesting. Right, emotions. Um, emotions should only validate the logic. Yeah, and I, I'm probably completely butchering the point, but <laughs> it's it's whatever. I thought it was interesting. Well, don't you believe that the most frustrating thing, at least for me, is whenever emotions don't follow logic. Like that is that is the crux of a lot yeah. of arguments, especially with me. Is like 
what do you mean you feel this way? Yeah. Like you have to logically explain it to me because if it's not logical, I can't validate it all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I can say, you know, this is your truth and I sympathize and empathize, but I'm not going to validate it. I'm not going to be like, you know what? You're right. Because I don't understand it unless you can logically, you know, support your emotions. Mm -hmm. And even though this book talks about how emotions are important, I I still think that a a good percentage of the time you should just kind of keep your emotions to yourself, you know. But that's just me. I'm also a very cynical, kind of harsh sometimes because it's like, you know, someone's saying something. It's like, dude, I'm in the line at the self-checkout at Walmart. Can you just like stop? You know what I mean? I mean, that's a bad example, but... Well, one, one of the things that is really challenging for myself when it comes to leadership is you have to manage people's emotions and and figure out when to validate them. Like, me and you have been in some meetings, uh, like one-on-ones, where it's like, you're explaining to me a difficulty you're having, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm I'm listening to this difficulty, and I have a different lens than you. Right. And maybe my lens that I'm taking in this information, I'm going to oppose you mm-hmm. because I don't think logically you should be thinking this way. Yeah. And for me, but that's really that's really a lot of being a manager and leader is like you got to have that open look, loop as this as this book talks about. You got to take in this feedback from everybody and kind of align them and like make sure that expectations are the same. That we're all thinking logically together. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do go off and get frustrated at things. But, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of times I just want to get it off my chest. Yeah, but that's fine. fine, You know? Yeah. That's that's something you're feeling. Just make sure that you're not needlessly staying in that emotion. Yeah. A lot of, I can't, dude, I can't stand when people do that. It's like, all right, you let it out. What can you do now? Nothing. Stop. You know? Well, I mean, I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because when it comes to my work life, dude, I'm so about this. You know, you know, don't complain without logically thinking about it. Don't be consumed with your emotions. Find a resonating board, all this stuff. When it comes to my personal life, I feel like emotions need to be locked up. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't want to be that vulnerable in my personal life. And so I, I am kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because I do love to sit in an emotion. Like yeah. I love music on a rainy day. You can find me driving <laughs> to Coldplay. Like, like I, I love all, all of that stuff. But when it comes to, to work, probably the more healthy side of my life, that's how I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in that same boat in a lot of ways too, because I have a lot with my professional life. I have, I'd say I have a lot of stuff figured out. But a lot more than I do at home, you know, like, you know, you see my desk. Would you say mm-hmm. my desk pretty clean most oh, of the definitely. time? Yeah, dude, my at home is not it's not clean at all. But you, you know what I think attributes to this? Because I, I've had a lot of my professional life to think about this because my personal life hasn't always been very clean cut mm-hmm. the way my, my professional life is. And I think it's because of all the baggage of your personal life, uh-huh. you know, all the hurts you carry around, like that's all like still, you're still like working through all of it. And in your case, you're so young, you're still trying to figure out mm-hmm. what, 
what you shouldn't keep doing. Yeah. You know, like what, what, what childhood things are actually going to be toxic to you growing up. Mm-hmm. And I think from, it was also the same way in school, but with my personal life, it's like, man, I got to do, I got to put in all this work for no paycheck. Yeah. Well, even school, I mean, yeah. even school, you were, you know, in the same group of people, some people, you know, they go from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. Oh you know, all together and knowing each other. So that means you got baggage from all these different relationships. When it comes to your professional life, heck, you could just move jobs and start over mm-hmm. your influence. You can, you can jumpstart your influence differently. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I think that that separation happens a lot in people. It's like the, the willingness to deal with work because it's, it's all very recent. There mm-hmm. isn't a lot of baggage and the unwillingness to deal with your personal life and the peace that you should have in it because you're not willing to deal with all the crap that you've been, you know, feeding yourself and not realizing that it was crap. Yeah. I just, I find it hard to want to take care of my personal stuff like, like that because there's just no paycheck with it, you know? Sure. But. That's a very cynical. But it's the payoff. Yeah. That's just. The the payoff in your personal life. Like, eventually, you have to retire from working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you don't have to, but, you know, like, you're only going to want to work for so long. But your personal life's going to be there forever. So it's like, how long do you want to put off trying to trying to filter through and, and do it the right way? That's true. I just, I get very cynical sometimes and, like, don't see the purpose. Like, that's the thing. When it comes to, like, my personal stuff, sometimes I just don't see the purpose in it, you know? Like, I know when it comes to stuff at work, it's like, I got to do this to for other people, you know, so other people aren't affected by my my laziness and my just being a goofball at home, you know. But at home, it's just like, I only hurt myself. I mean, well, it's okay. Well, here's a pretty, this is going to be intriguing for the podcast listeners because here, here's a little bit. I, I think I have a connection with you, Caden, because I think we have similarities. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of a younger version of me in you. And I say... I've said those words like almost (laughs) verbatim where it's like, you know what? Kind of F everybody, you know, like it doesn't, it's not real. My personal life is mine. So like, why do I have to do all these things for other people? As I've gotten older, I've definitely, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm 29 about to be 30. So I'm not going to act like I have the keys to the universe or anything like that. But it definitely seems like you really do get what you put in. When it mm-hmm. comes to um, your emotional relationships that aren't professional, the problem is is that you have to be wildly consistent, yeah, which is not fun to do, especially for someone like myself who is introverted. Yeah, I don't want to put all this effort into these relationships, and I'm like, you can't guarantee me a payoff. There's no eight to five with personal relationships. It's a all day, yeah. every day kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Well, actually, our guest last podcast, um, Kaylee, my my sister, dude, she's incredible at managing relationships. Mm-hmm. She's constantly monitoring, not monitoring, that's the wrong word. She's she's constantly just kind of checking in here and there, you know, just to make sure things are good. Yeah. And I appreciate that to no end, even if, well, hopefully now she's listened to this and Kaylee, I appreciate it. But it's just kind of like, those are the people I... I I'm very loyal to. Yeah. Yeah. See, I couldn't, I couldn't do but that. But that, that's wildly consistent. I don't think about that stuff all the time. 
you know, there's there's just like here and there some people I'm kind of like, yo, what's up? But not that many. Dude, there's a lot of people who I probably would have spoken to sooner had I actually spoken to them. But I kind of have this like rule where it's like I'm I'm not talking if uh, someone doesn't speak to me first. It's like but it's like a mental trick. I feel like the way you validate that is being like, yo, it's a two way street, son. Like you, you got to come to me, but it's it, like, you got to go to them too. It's least, a two way street. At least I know I'm not going to be annoying if I don't speak to someone first, you know, at least they're not going to think I'm a creep or anything like that for just mm-hmm. the person talking to me. Cause I always, when I was a kid, I mean, I had a hard time speaking to anybody. And so when someone would come up to me, like, what is this person? Why are they talking to me? It would stop. It's like, <laughs> I just freeze up. So it's like talking to people first. I'm like, I don't want to put, what if someone feels the same way I always have? I don't. Mm-hmm. Don't really want to put them in this situation. So you know what? I'm just going to not say anything and just continue with my business and let them think I'm weird. It's it's just, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's, that's really, I guess it was just me trying to relate to you and saying like, hey, that, that mentality, no matter how much of a loner you may feel like, it kind of starts to shift after a while. What? Just not talking to people first? Right. Of just like, you know what? I've got to be like kind of this little mantra that I've been kind of adopting the past few months is, uh, you know, say less, mm-hmm. you know, say less and do more. You know, if you're like, dang it, I'm freaking bored. I don't have anybody to, to hang out with. It's like, well, okay. say less, go do yeah. something with someone. I mean, you know? that's, I mean, that's true. And, that, and that's not the problem is because like, I know all the stupid things I do. And I know I don't talk to people and it's like, I'm going to complain about it to myself and it, but, and then it's just going to be like, well, you're not going to do anything about it anyway. So just stop. You know, it's like, I'm self-aware of the silly things I do and I know they're silly, but I Mm. still somehow find a way to validate them to myself. Right. But I also think a lot of it comes down to like Mm self-love. Like, Dude, sometimes I think back about like all the times that maybe I didn't like choose to hang out with somebody or I said no to an opportunity. And I'm like, you know what? It wasn't really because I didn't want to hang out with them. It's kind of because I didn't want to hang out with myself. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. You know, like that one's hard. If I was someone else, I wouldn't want to hang out with me right now. You know, and you kind of have to like get over that of like, I mean, they wanted me to hang out. I just need to like go be there. Once I'm there in that energy, kind of the same principles as this book, I'm going to end up matching energy with these people. Yeah. Dude, you do have your recluse moments, though. And oh. so do I, though. Oh, so dude. It's- Mine go deep, son. <laughs> you fight. We're, we're about to get into recluse season because yeah. it's about to be Halloween and all that stuff. I love. In fact, by the time we get to Halloween, you guys might be seeing our set we might what? be video by then that's crazy yeah we'll we'll, we'll definitely you'll, you'll see dude i'm a i'm a decorating fanatic when it comes to the holidays i love to decorate dude i like to walk in on an october day after work and be like it's clearly halloween mm-hmm. well we we had a at work last year we had a halloween decoration competition oh, that was freaking awesome we we i mean we had a tent of spiderweb over our desks it was yeah. pretty it was too early though. We had like a little competition with the other departments and we, I mean, listen, our department, we might not be the most involved in some of like the fun stuff that goes on, 
But when holiday season comes around, oh, we so we, we 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 up. bump it up. <laughs> we bump it up for sure. So we started decorating October one. Yeah, and they like waited. They like calculated and like put together a budget and decorated their stuff. Hey, we may not have won, but at least we got to enjoy the decorations, dude. This year we got to really turn it up, though. Dude. And Let, let's let's bring construction into this thing. <laughs> let's build let's let's build some walls. Let's make it like a full on haunted house for Halloween. Oh, dude, <laughs> that'd be pretty sick, actually. Yeah, and then and then after Halloween, you can finally take off that mask you've been you've been wearing for like all year. You talking? What do you mean? I'm just kidding. Yeah. That 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 was a swing and a miss. Dang. You've had you've had some good ones, man. <sighs> you know, and coming back to the book when they were talking about like jokes, mm-hmm. and how that's good. You know, I've I've sometimes I realize if I gotta be the butt of the jokes to make everyone happy, I just gotta be the butt of the jokes to make <laughs> I mean, everyone sure. happy, dude. Sure, but you know, but it is nobody, your responsibility as a leader to monitor that kind of thing, because oh. you really can't just be beating up on one person the whole time. Dude, I love it though. I beat up on myself more than anybody beats up on me, anyways. So dude, I don't no, wanna. I don't want to help you with your self flogging. <laughs> okay, I'm trying. I'm gonna bring you up, not to not to pound you down. Well, it's still funny, though. It, it is funny, but I don't <laughs> want to go for the low chop, you know? Well, but That's never, too easy. They're never the low chops. <laughs> they're, some of them are so outlandish, but sometimes I just wonder, is like people walk by or like listen from other places like, dude, this poor kid is getting, oh. <laughs> just getting roasted all day. Dude, I think that is your, your, your ginger upbringing. Oh, dude. You just feel like people should be making fun of you. Yeah, you, you don't you don't need to accept it all the time. Well, it's happened for forever. You know, I know. That's the, I've 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 tried to I've tried to stop a little bit with you because I, I don't. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to stop a little bit with you because I'm just like, the reason why I do it is because you don't come back hard. If you yeah. came back hard, I would stop. But I'm like, that can't be the reason why I just keep coming at yeah. you. Yeah. Well. I don't really see like all the yeah I make a lot of jokes but oh, none of them sure. were, none of them were like personal to people. The only thing I do that like maybe would have set someone is like if I'm talking to someone I'm going to if I'm talking about something if I say someone something someone said I'm going to do an impression of them as they said it mm-hmm. and that may get me in trouble but I don't <laughs> mean any harm by it, you know. Like that's the only thing I think I'd ever do to like hurt someone and I'm not even mm-hmm. trying to. It's just like that's what you sound like. I'm sorry. You so, deal with it. So when it comes to and pertaining to this book and the way that it's describing, what are like some of the attributes that you think just the optimal primal leader has? Mm. To, I mean, obviously charisma, right? Yeah. The ability to, 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 to spit the vision out and to rally people, inspire people. I think that that's just a given. But there's got to be other attributes that 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 classify as this optimal prime leader. Self-awareness. Ooh, yes. Yes, I completely agree. You got to be able to be aware of what you're good at and what you're bad at. And you can't be overly self-critical and you also can't be overly cocky because if you're overly self-critical, I mean, you're just going to rag on yourself. And I know I have a problem with that. So is that... Is that me being self-aware? Because I know I'm overly critical. But, but <laughs> I, I think don't know. I think now you're hyper-aware. Something like that. 
Um, or you could just be completely arrogant and think, oh, this is going to be fine. And then, f- you know, mm. flat tire out of nowhere. It's like, oh, well, I thought everything was going to be fine. You yeah, know? self-awareness for sure. Just because, I mean, self-awareness plays such a huge role in just life. Like you need to really be honest with yourself on where you're standing mm-hmm. and what your emotional state is and why you feel a certain way. And sometimes you could feel draggy. And then consider yourself a leader, go through a hard season, be dragging, and you started dragging your whole team. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all feeling that way that you feel because you weren't aware enough to be like, I can't be leading these people with this kind of mindset for sure. Uh, all right, man. I think, I think, I think that's, that's all for the book. Yeah. For sure. Because this, this is a book about emotional intelligence, and I couldn't be more supportive of it. Oh yeah. Uh, just because so many people, I, I, I even believe this people follow you because you perform at a high level and people want to be like that, but that's not always the case. People want to be, want to perform at a high level and want to be in an environment. That's yeah. Safe. They want to have a reason to perform at a high level. Right. And, and if you're the leader, that's your responsibility, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not, if you're not, in love with your team and the way that they're feeling first place to look you heck yeah dude well got anything else for this week dude here all right you've heard of the youtube channel corridor crew right Mm -hmm. that's like my favorite youtube channel they came out with a video on one of my favorite subjects which is unidentified aerial phenomenon Mm -hmm. previously known as UFOs. Well, they like ripped apart the Pentagon footage because they're like, uh, this is like corridor crew is a group of VFX artists. They understand the way things look lights as, as like a camera interprets them. So there's like the famous, uh, go fast video with a tic tac shaped object. Well, they looked at it and like, that's just parallax. That's just like, it's moving counter to, the fighter jet jet the jet's going like 500 miles an hour in Mm -hmm. the other direction of course it looks like it's going fast in the in in the opposite direction yeah all all of that stuff is just alien technology messing with the camera dude you got to keep your hopes up somehow like there was one where it's like a uh, it was like a triangle shaped dot that was like glowing and and they were like that's not a triangle shaped object though what it is is it's it's a light coming through a triangular shutter, mm-hmm. so it's just a bokeh. Mm. Everything is that triangle bokeh, including this object that you're seeing. So it's not really a triangle. They were just shattering my <laughs> dreams, and it sucked. But I appreciated the the truth. Yeah, one, one day we'll know the truth. Why are they blowing up aliens, man? What are they hiding? Are they hiding? What are they hiding? What what else is going on for them to say aliens? Let's hit them with that. Public's too stupid to see what else is going on. Yeah, that usually seems to be the way that the world works. If there's something serious going on, there's some kind of distraction. We we just need to do more research, man. Maybe we can deliver the millennials the truth, and then get taken off the internet for doing it. No, no, we won't let that happen. Our 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 We're built tw- different. Our twenty listeners won't let that. 
Yeah, we're built different. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's about all I have for this week, though, man. What about you? You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm excited for our, for this book. I think it is going to be uh, revelating in, in an emotional way. And I think I'm going to take more from this book in a personal aspect than probably a professional one. But that's the name of the game is consistency. You can't be one person at home and another person at work. For We're sure. all trying to get better at that. And uh, I hope that you guys are having a, a great week. And we, we will see you next week on episode 12 of Selenials. See you.